Brian spoke the last two Sundays, as you will, many of you will remember. Last week he spoke about grace, which has been on my heart too, over the sort of Christmas period and moving on into this month. Um, I've been reading, I don't know if many of you have seen this, the Passion Translation. Some of you I know have got onto it. I've found it really refreshing. This is um, Letters from Heaven by the Apostle Paul. It's one of the series that's coming out. Um, And I've just found it, it's just been refreshing for me. I've been just blown away again by... Paul's letters, particularly Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians, and, and just the sheer joy and the the, the, the weight of, um, oh, I suppose, the weight of glory that, that just seeps through the pages as I read it. I'm going to actually read from this translation this morning. Now, the problem is you can't get this online. <laughs> so if you go on things like Bible Gateway, I think it doesn't exist yet. So I haven't got any slides for you because I hadn't really got time to type it all out. Okay, so you do, but that's actually maybe an advantage because you'll listen rather than just read, if you understand what I'm saying. So, but that's you can buy these um, on the usual websites. Okay, if you want the title this morning, it's Sonship, Mercy, and Grace. You could say daughtership. And when I say sonship or I refer to sons, please understand I'm referring to sons and daughters. The Bible says sons. When the Bible talks about that, it talks about sons and daughters. It's just, uh, in a sense, it's just a, a shorthand. It's genderless. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, God talks about sons and daughters. He talks about mothers and fathers. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is orphans. We see in many conflicts around the world, and uh, part of the response in the sense of Iraq was about orphans. People have been orphaned, children, and in a sense older people, but children particularly have been orphaned through war and through all those sort of things. And orphans are separated from their parents. And it's a great tragedy not to know the love and the protection and the guidance and the comfort and the discipline of a mom and dad. I'm sure many of us have really hugely benefited from having that experience of having great moms and dads as role models and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, some haven't. And I just want to spend a little bit of time this morning first talking about being a son and a daughter of King Jesus. (laughs) You know, God the Father loves us to spend time with him. Us to be in fellowship and communion with him. It's really interesting in 
in the garden, the good old garden, the garden of Eden. When Adam separated himself from communion with his father, with God, because of what he did, that it's recorded in, in, in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 3, it may be Genesis 2, but God came to him and said, where, well, he didn't actually. What he said, it didn't come to him in that sense. He said, where are you? He said to Adam, where are you? Now, I can't imagine that God didn't know where Adam was. <laughs> you know, that's sort of, it would be a strange sort of thing. But God said, where are you? Because I believe that God knew that he had lost communion and fellowship with his creation. And you know, God could have done anything at that moment of time, but his, his response was, where are you? He was a father crying out for his children. He desperately wanted fellowship with his sons and daughters. And that remains. That, that still remains as an underlying, it's sort of, it's just a part of who God is. That he longs for us to fellowship with him. It's like every day, it's almost like God says, where are you? Come, come on, I want, I want to fellowship with you. He loves communion and fellowship with us. So let me read, if you want to make a note of it, it's Galatians 4, verse 3 and 7. Three, sorry, four, 3 to 7. It's from the Passion Translation. And I'm just, uh, I'm just going to read verses 6 and 7, sorry, but the, the whole passage is, is 3 to 7. And, and this is what it says, And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, My Father, you are our true Father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our Father has for us. For we are one with Jesus Christ. There's some amazing words there. For now, we are no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our Father has for us. I can't remember whether it was Dan or Alan. I think it was one of you. I think it was that was this morning. Just saying, that, that script, it was Alan, Ephesians. We haven't got an imagination big enough to imagine all that God has for us. But God has got a huge, huge, infinite imagination. I can't imagine everything that I can access through my Father. But that's what, that's what was written here. And because we're his, we can access everything our Father has. When... When we're sons and daughters, we, we have an inheritance from the previous generation. Uh, 
When we become sons and daughters of God, when we are sons and daughters of God, if we are, if we are those who are putting our faith in Jesus, walking with him, then we're his sons and daughters. And if you follow the, if you follow the natural and, and look at the, super, the supernatural, if you like, an inheritance is passed from a from a, a loving family relationship to the next generation. It's not it's not something that's earned; it's a gift. And adoption by by God as of us as sons and daughters is not something we can earn it's a gift and i sometimes think and i know i'm i sometimes i'm guilty of this that i don't receive the gift i i have that sense of i have to earn and and that sense of earning and striving actually stops us from receiving <laughs> you know it's when you're in that place of, of, of seeking as though you've got to live as a, as a slave or a servant, you lose the concept of you're actually a son or a daughter. And that's why I found this scripture so good, because it says this, we are God's very own sons and daughters, and because we're his, we can access everything our father has. It's our inheritance. And because Jesus died and took our sin and set us free and gave us, released to us our inheritance, we can access everything the Father has. But it's our inheritance. It's not, we can't earn it. You see, I'm not a slave or a servant, I'm a son. And I have to stop striving with a servant or an orphan mentality that says, I've got to earn this. Because I can't. I have no capability, nothing that I can give. This is grace. Nothing that I can give is enough to earn it. So I might as well just give up and receive. And we receive as sons and daughters, not as orphans. If you like... We, we have our adoption papers written on our hearts. We know that we're God's children because we know his love for us. One of the things I do love, and I know many of you do, and I really, I was thrilled in that time again this morning, just by knowing God loves me. There's nothing like knowing the love of a mum or a dad. And therefore of a heavenly father as well. I mean, they're different in some ways. But, but knowing the love of a, of a parent and, and just reveling in the father's love, my heavenly father's love for me, is, it's, I, I can't sort of frame language for it. It's, it's, I, think, I think Psalms is really good. I think David actually writes it really well. It wasn't just David. But the Psalms just put a language... You know, you're a rock and a refuge and a fortress and a deliverer. And he uses language that I find quite difficult to frame. You're his son and his daughter. So 
It's amazing. Let me just read. Let me read part of uh, Ephesians 1, verses 5 to 8. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. So that his tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory. For the same love he has for his beloved one Jesus he has for us. Since we are now joined to Christ we have been given the treasures of salvation by his blood the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading cascading riches of his grace. You'd like that. It's a waterfall. It's like a cascade. You said about that last week? The cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us and flooding into every part of our being, releasing us with all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Just amazing verses. Ephesians 2 verses 7 to 10. Again the Passion Translation. Throughout the coming ages we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. You can only do that as sons and daughters. And knowing and living as a son or a daughter. It's not a servant or a slave. Servants never inherit from the household. Sons and daughters do. Let me just start again. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which were showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we could do could ever earn this salvation, not even our faith. For it was the glorious, gracious gift of God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. I'm going to come back to that scripture in a moment in the time I've got. But I, I, I don't know if you can catch what I catch. I'm just, I just love the words that are coming out of this. It's, uh, it just fills me with such, such love and, and, and joy. Just the grace of God is extraordinary. You see, by his mercy... You don't get what you deserve. By his grace, you get what you don't deserve. I've uh, I've heard this. uh, This next bit is from a, a book I recently read. Mercy restores you to zero. Grace takes you to infinity. Mercy takes you to zero. It sort of resets you back to the, the, the factory default. The cre- you know, what God created us as. <laughs> you know, those, 
those buttons you've got on uh, on phones and things, you know, or somewhere in the manual, you know, you press this button or you press this button and that button, it sets you back to the factory default. And it's like that's mercy, but grace, grace enables us. Grace enables us. I'm really getting an understanding of this again, that grace enables us. Grace enables me to fulfill the destiny he has given me and he gave me before the foundation of the world. And I I was interested what you brought, Brian, as an encouragement this morning. Those visions and gifts and dreams and and that... They're all dusty and locked in a cupboard. And God is saying, just get them out. There's grace on them again. One of the reasons that I think we don't dream, I don't mean at night or in the day for that matter. I mean, have have dreams that God gives us is because we haven't yet understood we're his sons and daughters. I I don't. Let me personalise it. I'm in this place at the moment where I'm understanding that God has given to me good works for me to accomplish, but it's by grace. You understand? That's what this scripture said. Let me read it again. Um, For we have become his poetry, if you like, we're his poems. (laughs) A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. In other words, there are things that God has for me to do that only I can do and only you can do. But we do it by grace. We don't do it as a servant. (laughs) That's one of the problems I have with the, the, the attitude of servanthood. And, uh, servant, let's, let's try and dis- distinguish this. Servanthood in the kingdom is fundamental. But it's fundamental without an understanding of grace, not out of an understanding of trying to live under law. Are you with me? Am I getting this across? In other words... We become so, so much a lover of Jesus because of his grace that we can't help but then say, but I want to serve you, Jesus. Not the other way around. We, and Paul, Paul and the disciples were great examples of that, you know, where Paul often talks about being a servant. But he, he could say that because he fully embraced and understood the enormity of the grace of God that, it, that enabled him to do it. So things that I have to do, that are for me to do, I just think it's part of where I am at the moment, that God is re-emphasizing the grace, his grace to me, that says, but it's my grace that enables you to do the good works I've reserved for you. That's why we can get off those dreams and those prophecies and things and dust them off and say, they're for me to achieve, but I can only do them by the grace of God. And as we all do that, across the world, <laughs> the kingdom of God will be established on earth as it is in heaven. Because that's how it works. It's like grace releases in us 
a momentum that enables us, us to achieve what he's given us to achieve. By grace we're made alive again, raised up to our original place of power and authority and re-established in the fullness of what he intended for our lives. See, grace is not passive. Grace is active. Um, in a sense, there is a passive because we, we receive, but it's a, it's a grace that we receive in order to be active because grace is active. Grace is empowering. This is a, an, a, another phrase for you. It's from a book I'm going to refer to in a minute. Mercy grants you a visit from the king. Grace gives you in, the invitation to live with a king and eat continually at his table. Mercy gives, grants you a visit from the king. Grace gives you the invitation to live with a king and eat continually at his table with him. By grace you get access to everything that is in the king's house and storeroom. That's actually what I, the first scripture I read. Is what, we have access to everything the Father has for us. It's by grace. Let me just give you, uh, this is a book, um, <clears throat> one, I know one or two of you have because we did it on the School of Kingdom Entrepreneurs. <clears throat> we we um, one of the, the speakers gave you the, the people a copy of this. It's uh, it's called God with You at Work by Andy Mason. And one of the things I'm going to read a couple of pages, so just bear with me, and I'm, I'm going to finish. Christ demonstrated what a human could do in complete partnership with a limitless God. The partnership he demonstrated was not a business contract or an agreement for exchange of services. It was a set of commandments or principles. It wasn't a set of commandments or principles to live by. It was personal. It was a covenantal relationship. This means Jesus gave all of himself and God gave all of himself. Heart, mind, soul, body. Everything I have is yours. Any time we reduce our covenant with God to a set of rules, we miss the whole point of why Christ came to earth and rob ourselves of abundant life. When you have fully yielded your life to Christ, you get all of him. It pleased the Father that in him the fullness would dwell. That's the script, Colossians 1.19. This is the question he asked. What does fullness of God demonstrated in human form look like? I think it looks like Christ. Water to wine. There's some examples here that, again, I just find these refreshing. Water to wine, gold in a fish's mouth. Multiplication of resources. Power over natural elements. Fish where there were no fish. Power over sickness and evil spirits. Wisdom and poise that completely foiled his opposition. Foreknowledge of assassination for hostility. Uh, sorry, foreknowledge of assassination attempts. What would you give to have a medical facility where people got healed in the waiting room as well as through the surgical process? 
What if your security and personal protection company knew ahead of time exactly where and when criminal attempts would be made? Because that's what he's expanding out. Okay? What if your horticultural company didn't just sell products, but also prayed for dead plants that came back to life? What if your company or department had a workforce with zero sickness absence? What if your food warehouse restocked itself? What if, your, if every customer that came into contact with your business left full of hope and peace? What if your construction business was not only known for excellence, but everywhere they built, the surrounding land became more productive? See, those, I think, are dreams that God can give to us. I think he wants to brush down and blow the dust off because it's all out of grace it's not out of it's not out of a striving as a servant it's all out of being sons and daughters and understanding it's being sons and daughters and I'll finish with this um, I was I just caught a footnote in a uh, in the bible I was reading about feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus fed the 5,000 Because I think in these examples, Jesus modelled for his disciples what it looked like to live like that. Those examples I just gave from that book. I I think he was modelling, he was sort of shaping how the disciples thought, responded and acted. And I think feeding the 5,000 is a great one. Because what he did, he said, he was demonstrating... Jesus living as a man in complete communion with his father as a son. So, when it came to the feeding of the 5,000, he said to his disciples, you feed them. And I thought, you know, this, what if Jesus said to me, what if, what, what, put yourself in the situation, that's what I thought, You've got 5,000 people who have been with you all day in the middle of nowhere. It's not like a business conference where you've got a nice lunch coming up. you know. And, and Jesus says, you feed them. That would be a great test of knowing where I stand. <laughs> because... My response, and that, that's what this footnote was saying, my response is, well, Jesus, that's what you do. That's not what I do. You put them in the spin, you know. <laughs> and then he sort of helped them a bit, and he said, well, what do you have? And he said, well, I've got, we've got five loaves and two fishes. But it's, it was almost like it was a seed to, for their faith. And then... You know, Jesus gave them an expectation, not an action plan. And that, that's, I think, was a really interesting thing. That he, he was sort of testing their own hearts to find out where they were. But then he sort of did give them an action plan. You know, what, what have you got? What do you have? And bring it to me. And he broke it and they distributed it. This was the most, I think, one of the most successful distribution and logistics companies that we've ever seen. 
because they collected up at the end more than they started with. That is supernatural provision. And they fed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fishes. And the, the thing that, I then, I, that then took me was, what did Peter do? When Peter, I think it's Acts, I've probably got it written down somewhere. Acts, no I haven't. Acts 2, well 3, I think it's 3. When Peter and John were going up to the temple, to the beautiful gate, which is one of the gateways into the temple. And this, this man who was begging, and, and he, the man said to Peter and John, basically, can you give me some money? And Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And what came to me was that in that, feed, I mean, it's, it's probably more than this, but the feeding of the 5,000, something was imprinted on Peter's understanding that he understood now how to live with access to everything the Father has. And I think it's a great example of how we should be. Now, I'm not up there. But we're on a journey. We often talk about being on a journey. I'm on that journey. We're on, I want to be able to understand that when Jesus says, you feed them, I can. It may be through an enterprise. It may be through a business. It may be through a family. It, it, doesn't, you know, it may be through a situation. It could be really small or it could be really big. And, and you know, even this, I know it's, it's slightly different, but even 106 boxes going to Iraq, to, you know, it's sort of supernatural. It's not, you know what I mean? It, it's like there's a sense in which there's a grace in it that enabled us, and a lot of grace on Phil and Amanda to deliver it and bring it together. And, but that's a good, just a little demonstration of what grace, grace enables us to do. Okay, let me just, let's pray together, shall we? Yes, Father, please will you show us how much you love us. <laughs> show us how much you love us so that your Father love will enable us to be understand that we're sons and daughters. Yes. Father, please will you show each of us any areas that we live with a, with a mentality of being an orphan. Of, of feeling as though we need to prove ourselves to you. Feeling as though we're incapable. Will you show us that we can simply come to you as our father and say, please make, please show us how we th- throw that off to be sons and daughters. Mm. I'm just going to read this, and maybe if it relates to you, please just agree, okay? It's a prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry that I haven't fully embraced the mercy and grace that you have lavished upon me. Please forgive me. Holy Spirit, please pour more of yourself into me and enable me to live in intimacy and relationship with my Heavenly Father.
with Jesus and with yourself. Thank you, in Jesus' name. And finally, just as I, um, as Brian comes back, I'm, I'm conscious that there may be some who would really value just some prayer um, in terms of maybe experiences you've had as maybe as children in terms of mothers and fathers, maybe you know in terms of um, adoption or. You know, just that sense of a heaviness in, out of that relationship. I'm sure the ministry team who will be on this side of the platform shortly would, would be delighted to pray with you. And I, I will as well. I'll be there for a short time um, if, if you feel that you would just value some prayer for that. Because it will help us to move more to being sons and daughters and understanding of that. So bless you. Thank you. 